apart from you, we cannot live. Apart from you, we have no knowledge of our sin. Apart from you, we have no way of growing in our faith, Lord. Your scriptures tell us that until you worked in us, we were lost. And I pray that tonight as we discuss that very topic for our children, that you would bless us as we seek to better understand their lostness so that we can better understand how we can lead them by your grace. I pray all this in Christ's holy and wonderful name. Amen. If you have a Bible, please go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 19. We're going to spend most of our time in Luke 15 tonight, but I want to start by looking at Luke 19 at Jesus' primary principle for coming to the world. Uh, tonight, our, our our principle that we're going to be uh, drawing inspiration from here is that as a parent, you're not just dealing with bad behavior, but the condition that causes bad behavior. We're not dealing just with bad behavior, but the condition that causes bad behavior. In Luke 19.10, Jesus says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Upon... Reading this verse, what do you think this term lost means? When we read this verse, we typically think of those that are outside the covenant community of God's family. We think of those that have not come to faith. And while those things are true, uh, the word for lost here carries this sense of being done for or uh, being ruined or vanishing. This speaks to the human condition in which our children operate. Our children do everything that they do because of this condition. So what I would like to do is for us to look at a couple of Jesus' parables this evening to help us understand the depth of that condition. So please turn to Luke chapter 15. We're going to read three of Jesus' parables and discuss what they mean for us and our children. Starting in Luke 15 verses 1 to 7. The parable of the lost sheep. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing, And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found the sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. So I'm going to ask this question about each of the parables that we write, but what might this parable teach us about the lost condition of our children? Well, I think there's several things that we can note here. First, we see that sheep need a shepherd. They need wisdom, they need leading, they need protection. And like your children, sheep were designed to be under someone else's care. We should seek to never be irritated in these moments where our kids are clearly showing us their constant need of our care. Sheep need shepherding because they are sheep, and our children need parenting because they are human beings. Paul David Tripp says that dependent is what they are and care is what 
you are called to. So sheep need a shepherd, but they're also prone to wonder. The mind of the sheep is predisposed to distraction. They see a, a grassy patch of uh, a grassy area where, where there's lush grass, and, and they're so focused on just going to eat it that they don't care about what else is going on. They don't think about the dangers. They don't think about uh, what might be over there. They they only see grass, and they go eat. But not only that, but it's also the nature of sheep to see another sheep that is wandering, and to follow them. Because of our sin, our children are prone to wander out of the protective instruction and correction and discipline of their parents. They're easily influenced by other children who are also not capable of leading themselves. Our kids don't wake up in the morning planning out all the ways that they're going to argue and disobey us. If we interpret it as if they do, then then that circles back around to a few weeks ago when we talked about the dangers of taking things too personally as we parent. See, sheep can't get themselves out of a bind. They need help. A sheep cannot rescue itself. They need someone to actively pursue them, to find them, and to bring them home. One of the things that we need to remember is this. Our kids don't need rescuing from the world, their behavior, or even influence from bad relationships, they need to be rescued from themselves. Deep inside of them is this innate desire to pull themselves away from our protection and care. And we need to keep pursuing. That's why Tripp says that parenting is a moment-by-moment, day-by-day rescue mission. So let's turn our attention to the second parable that Jesus tells us. This is the parable of the lost coin. Luke 15, verses 8 to 10, the shorter of the three for today. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I have lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So again, what might this parable teach us about the lost condition of our children? Well, this particular parable focuses a little less on the lost and more upon the rescuer who is in pursuit. Now, she still has nine coins, but she searches intensely for the one that is lost. And what does she do afterwards? Well, she goes and throws a party, right? When it's found, she invites her friends over. Remember what Jesus has just said in verse 7. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. This shows us God's attitude towards the lost. This is grace, compassion, patience. These are the things that we are to take as God's representatives to the lives of our kids. So we really shouldn't uh, feel this need to be mad because they're lost. We we shouldn't get mad at their lostness. We're to love, teach, and correct, and, and celebrate every time that they confess and choose what is right. Emphasis on the celebrate. 
I don't think we do that very well. I think in our parenting, in, in the day-to-day, we kind of just get caught up in all the craziness, right? All the chaos. That we tend to overlook those small moments where our children actually display some fruit and growth. And we need to throw a party for that. Not a physical one, but a metaphorical like celebration. We need to celebrate that. We need to encourage them in that. Think about how that would change us. If we focus less on the things that our children were always doing wrong and, and channeled some energy towards celebrating the things that they did right, I think our children would be drastically encouraged and changed by that. Well, let's turn our attention to our last parable. This is the longest of the three, so we're going to spend a little bit more time here. This is the parable of the prodigal son. Luke chapter 15, verses 11 to 32. And he said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. And not many days later, the young son gathered all that he had and took a journey into the far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And when he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And then he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put on a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field and he came and drew near to the house. He heard music and dancing and he called to one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come. Your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. So his father came and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, but and I have never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this, this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He's lost and is found. So our same question for 
this evening. What might this parable teach us about the lost condition of our children? Naturally, our kids will want to be out on their own and experience the world, which is a good thing, but they need to be ready and prepared, which is why they often resist, because they're, they're not ready, but they want to be ready. They think that they might be ready. And part of all this is, this whole idea of being lost is this susceptibility to temptation. Self-deception is in play here. Uh, Our children, uh, no matter what their age, they think that everything is good and safe even when it is not. The son convinced himself that he was able to handle this freedom. Our kids will always convince themselves that they're able to do what no child is independently able to do. Lostness equals destined for destruction. Our children are are always going to be a a danger to themselves because of their lostness. And the father in this parable gives us great insight. There's uh, absolutely a time and a place for criticism and judgment and punishment and correction. And all those have their place. But none of them have the power to save. And here... The father recognizes that the son really needed this, this intense display of grace and celebration that he has been found. He needed grace in that moment. And it's absolutely amazing that the father never gave up. He never gave into holding a grudge. He never uh, closed his heart's door and cut off love simply for the sake of telling him that I told you so. But rather, he was always looking, hoping and waiting that his son could be found. And a beautiful uh, thing that is going on in this passage is that at at that time, it was uh, quite inappropriate to see a grown man running. Just the the way that their clothing worked. Running was not not a pleasant sight. Let's just put it that way. So to, to see a grown man running, he didn't care what other people thought. He saw his son and he ran to him. What a beautiful picture that is. God looking and seeking after us and drawing us back and giving us grace to the extent of dying on a cross and and taking on our shame. So there's two big lies that lost individuals tell themselves. The first is that I'm completely independent and I have the right to live the way I want. This is autonomy. Think about some examples of how we see this in our children. Uh, just a, a pretty common example is if, if you fight to get your children to eat vegetables. This is not simply because they have a better understanding of diet and health, right? And yes, they may simply just not like the taste, but but it's not like they, they have read all these articles and they have... Uh, done scientific testing to see which foods they uh, that that are better for them than than not. No, this is a deep-seated autonomy. They don't want to eat that vegetable because they don't like the taste, and they don't want you to tell them that they need to eat that vegetable. An argument with a teenager about what they wear in public comes down to autonomy. It's very rarely a fashion decision. The teen wants to wear whatever they want, whenever they want. 
So autonomy. And another lie is self-sufficiency. This lie says that uh, we have everything that we need inside of ourselves to be who we need to be and to do what we want to do. And think about what might be some examples of how we see this in our, our children. This may come down, uh, come out when, when your child pushes your hand away when you try to help them with something. Something as simple as that. They think that they can do it on their own, <clears throat> even if they can't. A teen is always going to think that they are smarter than their parents, despite the, the lifelong lessons that the parents have learned. And despite the wisdom that they have and the wisdom that they've gained from others in their lives, autonomy and self-sufficiency are the two things that we are going to be doing battle with in our children. And we need to remind them and point them to the cross to see that those things are never going to bring them satisfaction. And they need to run to the Father, just as the Son in that parable did. So what do lost children need uh, Paul David Tripp, in his parenting book, provides uh, several um, application points of things that we should uh, emphasize to our children and point them to uh, this great need. And I want to work through just a couple of those here. First, he says that they need insight. Sheep don't understand just how much they need care. Our children don't understand just how much they need care. We don't need to just tell them what to do, but we need to enable them to see. We need to give them that insight, helping them understand that the condition of danger that they are, they are in is going to be life-changing for them. And that should be our goal, is to show them that danger, show them their need of a Savior. We also need to Approach this with a great level of compassion. Lost sheep don't need shepherds who operate out of irritation because of the lostness of the sheep. Our children don't need us to operate out of irritation when they do things that we don't like. They need shepherds who will mourn their lostness and long for them to be found and to display great levels of compassion in the midst of pursuing them. We also need to display a lot of hope. As our little sheep begin to understand their lostness, they need to see that help is available. This isn't just bad news. You are lost. The news is you're lost, but you're found in God. And that's the hope that we have, and that's the hope that we can share with them. So we need need our children to see us as supports and guides. They need to see that Jesus himself was sent as the ultimate help that they need. Rescue. Sheep don't need behavior change. They need heart change that leads to behavior change. And their only hope comes from a radically changed heart. We can't change them, but our Heavenly Father can. We need to look for those opportunities to address heart issues and pray that God would bring about change. And lastly, wisdom. Sheep need to know how to say no to themselves. Sheep will naturally want to do what they want to do. So teaching them how to understand and recognize their their temptations will give them wisdom. We're never going to be perfect at all these. Let us pray that the Lord works through us 
and reminds us of the importance of recognizing that our children are lost and need a Savior. We're going to spend some time unpacking that and discussing that, but before we do, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we love you and we ask you that you would remind our ourselves, remind us, Lord, that we were lost and have been found in you. Lord, you have been patient and and long-suffering with us, and we ask for that same level of patience and compassion and long-suffering with our children as we walk walk them alongside uh, this picture of grace that we see in Christ, showing them Jesus along the way and giving them a hope that can satisfy their deepest cravings and needs. We ask that we would teach our children that they are not autonomous, they are not self-sufficient. But Jesus is what they need to look to. Help us to do that. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.